0: today. I'm Walt Deason here with Life Coach Cindy Chavez. Today is Wednesday, February the 12th, 2020. It is 4 p.m. New York time, and wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. We're happily coming to the conclusion, Cindy, of a series of books that we've done by Neville, and we were talking about it before the show, like, what are we going to do after we finish this one? Because we're on the last chapter of Seed, Time, and Harvest yeah. by Nell Goddard, and we've done all the books. We, we There's actually one we noticed that we didn't do, and we both agreed we really don't want to do it because it's so heavy, heavily biblically oriented, but we completed all the rest of them, and oh my God.
1: Nine books.
0: We've, we've done a lot of books here.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have, and it's Holy been so God. much fun. I mean, I've loved it, so I don't know. We have to figure out where we're gonna go next.
0: We will have to do that. <laughs> And we also figured we'd kind of combine this with the fact that in two days, it's Valentine's Day, and Valentine's Day is a happy, sad day, because for some people, it's a happy day. They're happily in a relationship. They're celebrating their significant other, and for other people, it's not quite so happy because they're not in a a relationship, and for other people, still, they are in a relationship, but it's not happy. Have I covered all the possibilities? Oh, no, there's a fourth so. one. There's a fourth yeah. one. That's that's where they're not in the relationship, and they're really glad about it.
1: <laughs> right, and they're happy. Right, okay. That's right. We've, kind of, we've covered all the bases. Right. <laughs>
0: so we're going to see if we can try to cover some of those. By the way, if anyone um, is tuned into the live stream and you have questions you want to pass along, um, when we get to that portion by all means do that because we'll be very happy to address those but even if we don't have direct questions we'll we'll just make them up i mean we're good at that <laughs> so
1: it's a great topic yeah it exactly is. exactly
0: so wow sea time and harvest the last yeah. chapter of the last book i mean it's it's just kind of sinking in now <laughs> i have not been focusing on this all day long i've been doing my other stuff my programming project has been consuming my brain okay. and uh, we were again Uh, similarly talking about how it could be challenging to go from one project to the next within a very short period of time, especially a left brain to a right brain. This is a very right brain activity and programming is very left brain. So forgive me if I like, you know, do stuff that sounds crazy just because my brain is not yet quite engaged.
1: (laughs) You know what? Your brain is going to be just where it needs to be. I mean, this, it's kind of funny, but it reminds me of in my, in my decade of, of being a coach there's been a handful of times where like I didn't sleep well Mm -hmm. or something. And the next day I had a client like first thing in the morning and really early on, I just stopped worrying about things like that. I just said, you know what? It'll, it'll all work out perfectly. And my into it. And I just decided that that just meant my intuition would kick in in a, in a different Mm -hmm. way and maybe a better way. And you know, it's just never been a problem. And I we were talking about this before the show, because being an artist and a painter and doing different kind of craft work, whenever I'm doing that, it's totally right brain stuff. And it's like not articulating anything, not verbal, not no logic really involved. Maybe with knitting, you know, there's some math there. But otherwise, it's just kind of going for it. And then having to switch over. It. Right. <laughs> but it'll all be perfect. I know it'll be perfect.
0: You know, You said something just then. And it kind of clicked with me and made me wonder, why do I sometimes have this issue? Because you mentioned uh, that when you're in that extreme right brain place, um, there's no words going on. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's imagery, pictures, and, and all that kind of thing. And that's true. But I was also noticing, and I mentioned this again before the podcast, that when I am doing programming work, which is an extremely left brain activity. And my wife comes in to ask me a question. I always have to tell her, I just stop for a moment. I need to get my brain back over to where I can communicate with you because I'm not thinking in terms of words or dialogue yeah. while I'm doing the programming. So, I mean, it just makes me wonder. We, we always associate that, that words thing and, and, and communication thing with uh, left brain rather than right brain. But I wonder if you can block it on the left as well.
1: Well, I wonder if how much what you're doing isn't actually right brain stuff.
0: Well, that could explain the headaches. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. It's not so much headaches. It's more like brain strain, you know, like, oh, yeah, what yeah. is that? What's going on here? You're right. That actually is true. Because a lot of the time I'm jumping to the big picture to understand what's going on and then jumping back to the little picture and doing all the left brain stuff and then jump. You're right. That, no wonder yeah. I'm exhausted.
1: And you know, like sometimes <laughs> when, you, when you're coding and there's a problem, it's almost like intuitive to fix it. It's like, ah, I think it's right here. You just start, you know, that can like, happen. So, yeah. I think po- it it could possibly be that you're actually really using a lot of right brain stuff and then you have to be verbal with someone and you're like, okay, hold on a minute. <laughs>
0: this is just,
1: find my words. <laughs> this is when you know
0: that you you're you're really happy when your right brain, your right hemisphere and your lemis, left hemisphere get along well. I mean, right. if they didn't get along, it would be a disaster. <laughs>
1: True, true. You need a, a unified mind here.
0: That's right. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of which, you posted something today or yesterday. I can't remember what it was. And I, I don't even remember the details. You'll have to fill it in. But you were talking about how you had this insight about how your self-talk was actually getting in the way of your, your belief system. And Oh, I, yeah. And I didn't read it carefully, but I, I gathered the gist of what you were saying and, and the gist of it. Resonated with me in a big way because so often I get caught up in, geez, am I, am I tripping myself in some way? Am, am I resisting myself in some way? And I mean, we can we can really kind of go down rabbit holes doing that kind of thing, exploring that kind of thing.
1: Well, I think the post you're talking about. Um, anybody listening to the podcast for the last few weeks probably has heard me talk about my wrist and having tendinitis in my right. That was it. Yes, and my wrist, and I'm doing. I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. Um, I, I'm wearing a brace. I don't have it on today. Uh, t- yesterday and today I took it off just to give my, my wrist a break from it. But I'm wearing the brace and I'm taking, you know, stuff for inflammation and I'm putting ice on it. And I'm not using it as much as I would normally. Um, very, very hard to just completely not use your right hand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm not going to say challenge. I'm not using it at all. I'm using it a little bit, but I'm using like, um, the, uh, microphone function, like in, in Google drive instead of mm-hmm. typing, right. Mm-hmm. And things like that. So I'm doing all the things and it's getting better. I'm also, of course, I should say first is doing the alignment work, the Neville work that we've talked about. I've created a vignette where uh, I can feel my left hand on the desk on top of some nice paper and I have the pen in my right hand and I'm writing my, my, you know, my butt is in the chair and my (laughs) feet are on the floor and I can feel that. Right. I I, I consciously go through that kind of script where I can feel that. So I'm in my body and I imagine that I'm writing and that there's no pain at all Mm. because that's probably the thing that hurts the worst with it is to write. Sure. Um, and so I'm writing, and there's no pain at all. And I hear myself say to my husband, "I'm. It's so wonderful to be able to write again with no pain." That's the whole vignette. So I've been doing that as well, and I've been going over to the Pivot Pals group and posting a check mark or an emoji over there on my thread, saying, "Yes, I did this today."
0: Congratulations. Um,
1: so I've been doing all of that, right? And last night um, I was getting ready for bed. I was washing my face, and I was just kind of, you know, lost in thought, I guess. And I realized that I was, that my wrist, you know, it's probably, I said in my post, and I think that's probably right. It feels like it's about 85% better. Mm -hmm. It's much, much better. At at the point that I went to the doctor, I mean, I could not do anything with it. And and now it's like just a kind of minor thing. And I, I found myself wondering, and that was what I posted. I said, I caught myself wondering. I was thinking to myself like, hmm, I wonder... I wonder if this is going to heal completely, or if I'm just gonna deal with this minor annoyance for the rest of my life. I wonder if it's going to get all the way, and then all of a sudden it's like, and I think part of it is because of being a coach. Like I catch my clients, (laughs) right? When they're wishing, when they're hoping, when they're wondering, you know, I wonder if, you know, I'll ever find um, a husband, right? I Mm -hmm. wonder if, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is. And that was the point of the post is that when I caught myself wondering, I snapped my I snapped right out of that little reverie and I said, "Yes, it's going to heal completely. It's healing completely. I can see it. I trust my body's ability to heal." Um and you know, it is. It's so much better. But it was interesting to me that in this time of sort of daydreaming, washing my face, lost in thought, this thought was this story was going on. I was like, "Huh. I wonder if this is, you know, all it if if this is it. If this is as far as it's going to heal itself." And I caught myself quickly and, you know, changed that. Whenever I realized that I'm hoping for something, I'm wondering about if something's going to happen. Now, sometimes we wonder about things that we don't have control about. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder if Beetlejuice is going to explode in the next two weeks. (laughs) I don't have control over that. But, and, you know, I'm I'm willing to be completely non-resistant about the pain that I'm feeling. And let it teach me whatever it's here to teach me. But I do have some control over things. Actually, a lot of control. I have a control over how the story I'm telling, how I'm thinking, how I'm believing, how I'm speaking to myself. That's what I have control over. So I have to start there. And that's what I was posting about.
0: So, yeah. And, and it's a great post because, among other things, you're touching on something that I think we all – find ourselves running into and experiencing and bringing upon ourselves daily, which is doubting. Even, even on the things that we believe pretty strongly, the doubts just kind of creep in there. And, I don't know. I think it's something that kind of increases with age or something, but we, it, it, it just seems like they, they start accelerating over time. And I, I'll stop it once in a while and I'll say to myself, where the heck did that come from? Yeah, I was doing just fine. There was no need for that to come into my <laughs> life at all. And then that just kind of appears. No, 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 no. Hold on a second. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a, it's a good it's a good indicator for me when I catch myself. You know, having some kind of story. Right away, I correct it, Mm -hmm. and I did. I spoke it out loud. I said, "Of course, it's going to heal all the way. Of course, I'm healing. My body's healing itself. I trust my body to heal itself." Yes. It's (laughs) funny too,
0: uh, because that's a great technique to just say it out loud. Mm -hmm. Kind of like breaks the spell, so to speak. Yes. And and it's funny because the first time you try to do something like that, you feel like you're lying to yourself. But if you can stay stay true to your belief that you're building, that so called lie stops being a lie pretty quickly.
1: Right. You know, um, I mean, well, maybe we'll tell, I have a great kind of example, but I'd rather wait until we're done with Neville because it might be appropriate for Valentine's Day. So
0: Oh, okay. Well, then I'll get the uh, promos done and then we'll, we'll do some demo and we'll find out what happens when we get to Valentine's Day stuff. So, um, by all means, yeah. And uh, if you are yet, uh, if you are subscribing, first of all, thank you. We love all of you guys who are subscribing. Um, I don't know if I've told you, we're now over 500 listeners. We've been, we've been shooting for that 500 number. We have now exceeded it. We're on our way for that four figures that's where i'm headed right now i mean yes. six hundred is really <laughs> the next milestone but i keep thinking about a thousand and more um, but that's coming soon and for those of you who are perhaps listening for the first time or have decided so far have not decided to subscribe we just want to invite you to subscribe and become part of our growing community because uh well first of all we love having you second of all because you're going to enjoy it because the, the shows are fun and we're doing them five days a week they can stream directly to your device every single day that we do them. We do them at 4 p.m. New York time, uh, Monday through Friday. Um, and by subscribing, you get all of them, and you get them for free. So what do you have to lose? you got nothing to lose. You might as well do it. And it's so simple to do. Just go to the home page of our website, LOAToday.net. At the top of the page, you'll find the instructions pretty quick, uh, one to two clicks in most cases, and then you are subscribed. Just that simple. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, where you can actually see what we look like because we actually live stream these as we are recording them to YouTube. Just do a little search for LOA Today podcast videos and we'll pop right up there. Click the subscribe button. Click the little bell so you get notified every time we publish and you'll be getting us both ways. So subscribe, 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 subscribe. Please do. (laughs) And then share the facts so that other people can subscribe too and find out about us. That's how we keep growing. And thank you to those of you who have been sharing too because we really appreciate your efforts as well. So there we go. Promos for the day.
1: Excellent. Excellent. All right. Well, we are, like we said, we're finishing it up today. We are chapter nine of Seed Time and Harvest, Neville Goddard's book. And this chapter, uh, the title is A Mystical View. So he starts out with a verse from the Christian Bible from Mark 4. It says, and with... Many such parables spake he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. But without a parable spake he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So what's interesting here to me is this, just this idea about being able to hear a thing, right? He's speaking to crowds. He's teaching them in parables. And he said, it says, as they were able to hear. And, you know, we've talked several times about, um, not the Bible, but just books in general, just ideas that reading a book or like picking up a book and uh, just, I just can't get into it. I've mm-hmm. had books where I've tried like three and four times and just <laughs> just haven't been able to really get into them for whatever reason. I couldn't hear it. Right. And then picked it up one day and thought, oh my gosh, like, why did I not get into this last time? It's like suddenly, mm-hmm. I, and I always think about that idea about when the student is ready, the teacher appears yeah and so sometimes this is the right time for us to hear something and I, I kind of hear that in this verse that he's using so he says this collection of parables which is called the Bible is a revelation of truth and that truth that word is capitalized in this paragraph so this collection of parables which is called the Bible is a revelation of truth expressed in symbolism to reveal the laws and purposes of the mind of man. As we become aware of deeper meanings in the parables than those which are usually assigned to them, we are apprehending them mystically. For example, let us take a mystical view of the advice given to the disciples in Matthew 10.10. We read that as the disciples were ready to teach and practice the great laws of mind which had been revealed to them, they were told, not to provide shoes for the journey. A disciple is one who disciplines his mind that he may consciously function and act on higher and higher levels of consciousness. The shoe was chosen as a symbol of vicarious atonement of the spirit of let me do it for you because the shoe protects the wearer and shields him from impurities by taking them upon himself. The aim of the disciple is always to lead himself and others from the bondage of dependency into the liberty of the sons of God. Hence the advice, take no shoes, accept no intermediary between yourself and God. Turn from all who would offer to do for you what you should do and could do far better yourself. You have any thoughts on that?
0: I have a couple actually. Um, First of all, I'm reminded about how we, how you and I got involved in doing Neville in the first place and how we had both come from a place of being a little resistant to doing Neville just because on cursory first look, it looked like it was going to be stuff we weren't interested in because neither one of us have a a particularly Christian viewpoint in our own uh, mystical or spiritual belief systems. And yet we found that once we started reading the stuff and understanding what Neville Believes and teaches that the whole thing is a is a great big metaphorical system for describing the consciousness of man and and how all that works. Then we said, well, okay, that's pretty cool stuff. Well, I'm I'm reminded of that as we're reading this section for a couple of reasons. First of all, because he says very specifically in his first sentence it's a uh, revelation of truth, capital T, expressed in symbolism to reveal the laws and purposes of the mind of man. Okay, well, there it is. That's pretty straightforward. Um, but he also later on here toward the bottom. Let me see if I can find it. Um, he talks about what it is to be a disciple. I'm thinking, okay, here's the the uh, what we call the Neville Goddard decoder ring once again. Um, <laughs> right. That that this idea of a disciple, someone someone who disciplines his mind in order to achieve higher and higher levels of consciousness. And I had a lot of thoughts about that one. And then toward the end of this section, he says he talks about uh, not wearing shoes or not taking shoes actually in order to uh, make sure that there is that you 're accepting no intermediary between yourself and God, and that little bit right there, um, accepting no intermediary between yourself and god is it struck me in a couple of ways because first of all, in most religions, there are intermediaries between yourself and god they 're called priests and ministers and saints yes. and all those other things and at the same by the same time, in many many Christian sects and many many Christian um, you know, sections of Christianity or however you want to describe it. They teach this very same concept, but there's a big difference between what they're teaching and what Neville's teaching because they're treating God as an external.
1: Yeah. Neville teaches, right. right. Treats
0: God as, the, as your own conscious mind. Right. And, and I've just, that, that really just made a very, very big impact on me just hearing that and seeing that and, and hearing you read that, that what he's really talking about is accepting no intermediary between yourself and your own consciousness.
1: Mm, that's That's so powerful
0: that's huge it's (laughs) gigantic yeah
1: yeah and you know this this idea where he talks about turn from all who would have offered to do for you what you should do and could do far better yourself Mm -hmm. Um, that's one of those things that i i've i don't want to say i've had to explain it but i've mentioned before to some clients because sometimes a client will a person will decide to hire a coach because they haven't you know, gotten the results they want. They're like, okay, I'm gonna get some help. I'm gonna get some support here and they hire the coach. But there's this idea of like, that that's the action that's gonna get the results.
0: Yeah, so of course, yeah.
1: (laughs) And you know, it's not like hiring a plumber where you've tried to fix the toilet yourself and you couldn't do it and now the plumber's gonna come do it for you. That's not what a coach is going to do. Yeah, that's true. And so because we're dealing with consciousness, right we're dealing with consciousness when we're coaching we're dealing with belief systems we're dealing with action we're dealing with thoughts and ideas and so i can't and i i cannot do that for my client i can help them and support them and show them but then they have to do the work themselves right that's right and so if you know a, a client that hires a coach their result they are responsible for their results
0: so not, not, only coach, you,
1: right? not only are you not only
0: are you not 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 only are you not willing to let somebody be, come between you and your own consciousness, but you're not willing to come between somebody else and their own consciousness. Exactly. You set a standard there. Exactly. Yeah. And
1: so that's the standard. It's like, no, this is your work to do. I can't do it for them. Not really. No. Right. Not really. And so I, I really like that he that he brings this up. Um, then he quotes Elizabeth Baron Browning. He says, Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire fire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. <laughs> and w- what she's referring to there is in the Bible when Moses came upon the burning bush, right? Mm-hmm. Or actually I think there's even other instances where someone has taken off their shoes because mm-hmm. They're saying, I'm standing in the presence of God, and that makes this ground holy. So mm-hmm. I'm taking off my shoes because this is holy ground. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth Barrett Browning, in this beautiful little line, says, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. Neville is saying, he's mentioned this at the very beginning, right? For those who have, like, ears to hear. <laughs> and this is, if you can see it, you'll recognize. Yes. Right. And then he quotes Matthew, verily I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Uh, and remember that this particular verse is supposed to be quoting Jesus mm-hmm. or Christ. Mm-hmm. And Neville's decoder ring right, says that we are Christ. Yes. That our imagination is Christ, that our awakened consciousness is Christ. So. He goes on to say, every time you exercise your imagination on behalf of another, be it good, bad, or indifferent, you have literally done that to Christ. For Christ is awakened human imagination. Through the wise and loving use of imagination, man clothes and feeds Christ. And through ignorant and fearful misuse of imagination, man disrobes and scourges Christ. So we've talked about this before. Um, It feels like a very heavy... Uh, thing to be to have our thoughts be responsible right our thoughts about someone else be mm-hmm. responsible um, it reminds me sort of of something that Florence Scobleshin says and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact quote but it basically is if we recognized how powerful our words were we would be much more careful about the words that we speak you know, It reminds me of that, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. but going to the thought, If like we recognize when we're judging someone else or when we're thinking about, or even someone we love that we're worried about, instead of using that thought energy to picture them, you know, uh, helped and supported and thriving in life. If we're spending that same thought energy, just worrying and picturing them having a hard time.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Yep. It it reminds me of something that, I have been mentally playing with both on the show and in my private life uh for some time now, which is the idea that in the world of law of attraction, in the world of spirit and so forth, there really isn't a place for morality. Morality doesn't really play a role there, but there is a place for preference. And I, I make that distinction because I want to ask you a question, see what you think. My take on this, and maybe I'm kind of spinning this a little bit, but it's still my take on it, is that when he makes his statement uh, through the wise and loving use of imagination, man clothes and feeds Christ, Christ being his own consciousness, and through the ignorant and fearful misuse of imagination, man disrupts and scourges Christ. That is a statement that many, many people, particularly of a religious turn of mind, would turn into a moral statement. It would be immoral or moral to behave in a certain way. Whereas when I read that statement, I think of it in terms of I like the idea of using my imagination in a way that is helpful and and wholesome to my own consciousness. And I don't like using my, my imagination in a way that is basically working against my own consciousness. That's the way I read it, and I don't see that as a moral statement. I simply state that I mean, at best, it's ethical because it's how I want to behave with myself.
1: Well, this goes back. We could take this back to the idea of sin and Mm -hmm. the word sin, not being a moral thing. It just means we miss the mark, right? Right, and that's what this reminds me of as well. Especially with your reminder that Neville is always defining Christ as our consciousness. He says here in this paragraph it says christ is awakened human imagination so if christ is our consciousness and he's talking about that if we are wise and loving in our use of imagination we clothe and feed our consciousness and through ignorant and fearful misuse of imagination we disrobe and scourge our consciousness
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah i totally I, I don't see a moral thing there i see whether we're being kind to ourselves and feeding ourselves you know when if you if you feed someone, they get stronger, yes, <laughs> it reminds me of that whole i have a you know there's that parable about I have a a a black dog and white dog, anything puts between that evil dog and a good dog <laughs> living inside me, you know which one's going to win they're fighting well, the one that you feed the most
2: right, right. yeah,
1: okay, so I think that's what Neville's saying here um. Moving further he's still talking about it. Let's see what he says. He says let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against your neighbor. Zechariah 8:17. He said it is sound but negative advice. Mm. <laughs> a man may stop misusing his imagination on the advice of a friend. He may be negatively served by the experience of others and learn not to imagine, but that's not enough. Such lack of use of the creative power of imagination Could never clothe and feed Christ. The purple robe of the Son of God is woven not by imagining evil, but by imagining the good, by the active, voluntary, and loving use of imagination.
0: I love that phrase. Not by not imagining evil, not by not imagining evil. That's a great phrase. I mean that because that that summarizes so many different things that people tend to imagine. Right. So
1: what he says is sound, but negative advice is. Sounds to me that the verse that says, let none of you imagine evil in your hearts against a neighbor. He's saying you need to go a step further though. That's right. (laughs) Instead of just not having an evil imagination, um, let it go a step further and have a good imagination.
0: (laughs) Well, it's very similar to the idea of, you know, just in general everyday life. Um, you can either say, I definitely don't want to, um, spend the rest of my life having to deal with my awful mom or You can change it around and say, I'd like to spend the rest of my life with someone who appreciates me. A different way of taking the same.
1: Right, right. You know, this is I mean, we've talked about this before, and this is appropriate for, you know, uh, Valentine's Day, I guess, talking about relationships. But I remember speaking with someone once and they said that they were telling me, you know, I asked them, what's the number one thing that you want in a partner? when you meet someone, what is, what is important to you? Mm -hmm. And they said that he respects me. Mm -hmm. And I said, great. Tell me, how do you, how do you know that's happening? Ah. And she said, well, you know, when people disrespect you, they don't care about what you have to say and they're willing to just slam a door in your face and they may call you when you don't want them to. And she just started naming all. I said, okay, stop. After about 10 things, I said, now I want you to stop because everything you're talking about is ways that you've known someone was disrespecting you. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like for someone to respect you? And you know, she said, Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Gonna have to think about that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah exactly
0: <laughs> and it is exactly what we need to spend more time thinking about
1: mm-hmm. anytime
0: is- that we notice that we were we're focusing on stuff in terms of what we don't want that's a good signal It's a great signal it's like oh have i really given thought to what i want
1: and we're so good at knowing what we don't want
0: we're very good at it
1: right it's like what do you want for dinner tonight well i don't want pizza because we yeah. had that last night <laughs> <laughs>
0: absolutely (laughs) and
1: and, and it's perfect neville the next verse that he quotes is philippians it says whatsoever things are of a good report if there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things (laughs) Mm, yeah and then he quotes from song of solomon king solomon made himself a chariot of the wood of lebanon he made the pillars thereof of silver the bottom thereof of gold the covering of it of purple the midst thereof being paved with love he says, the first thing we notice is King Solomon made himself. <laughs> that is what every man must eventually do. Make himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon. By chariot, the writer of this allegory means mind, in which stands the spirit of wisdom, Solomon, controlling the four functions of mind that he may build a world of love and truth.
0: Interesting um, thing I, about that I, phrase, by the way. Well, the, 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 I was just go thinking, ahead, you I, first.
1: Well, I was just thinking, uh, what was interesting to me is that earlier today, um, I did a tarot reading for someone, and the card that came up was the chariot.
2: Oh. <laughs>
1: and, the, and this is, like, exactly what it means. It means... That you are the driver. It means that you get to choose the direction you're taking. It means that you have the authority and the power to make those kind of decisions. So I think this is—it's <laughs> like, oh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's true. Uh, for me, when I when you read that uh, that Song of Solomon verse, the first few words which he emphasized, I recognized that it demonstrates the elusive variability of the English language because yeah. it just depends on how you read that statement. You could say King Solomon made himself a chariot of of the wood of Lebanon, which yeah. sounds like he made a a chariot of the wood of Lebanon for himself.
1: I believe that's how most of us read it when we read it. <laughs> right? But
0: you could also read it as king made himself.
1: Right. <laughs> as a
0: chariot of the wood of Lebanon. In other words, he himself was one made being made <laughs> and, and he this is the material he used to make himself. Like, yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> that variability can really confuse us
1: right right well and and of course neville's not going to read it in the normal way no of course not not. (laughs) so he goes on to to quote mark he says and joseph made ready his chariot and went up to meet israel his father Uh, what tributaries followed him to rome to grace in captive bonds his chariot wheels if man does not make himself a chariot of the wood of Lebanon, then his will be like Queen Mab's. She is the fairy's midwife. Her chariot is an empty hazelnut. Of course, this isn't all Mark that he's quoting, right? He's going over into, uh, I believe, Shakespeare there. Um, the wood of Lebanon was the mystic's symbol of incorruptibility. To a mystic, it is obvious what King Solomon made himself. Silver typified knowledge gold symbolized wisdom and purple clothed or covered the incorruptible mind with the red of love and the blue of truth and they clothed him with purple um, incarnate incorruptible fourfold wisdom clothed in purple love and truth the purpose of man's experience on earth and he quotes angelus Cilicius love is the sage's stone it takes gold from the clod it turns naught into aught." transforms me into god
0: now i have a question for you <laughs> first of all i w- i have to note we just came to the end of the book so there we it did. is we, fi- we finally it. finished okay <laughs> but even though we finished i'm still not done <laughs> as usual i have a, a another question or another thought to bring into it good he in this section is basically laying out um some very very um strongly metaphorical views uh metaphorical um ways of understanding things uh, he he just, he says it pretty carefully uh, gold symbolizes wisdom uh silver typifies knowledge purple um, is a mixture of love and truth you know, so so he's laying out these these basic concepts and as he's doing that and and basically creating a, an image in our minds in the way he's doing it, partly because of the way they're written, they're written poetically. Uh, he's, yes. what, what's coming through to me is that what he was really saying is all of this is aspects of love. And now I I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. He has touched on love before. I know he has in, in a number of the places that we were reading in the other books. But in this case, I just, I, I'm having trouble putting this into words. I get the feeling he's saying, He's, he's trying to lay out for you everything is love. Everything is. And that, that all the different aspects of it that we appreciate and, and, you know, uh, admire and, and focus on and so forth. Those are the, the, the silver being knowledge, the gold symbolizing wisdom, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's all that stuff that kind of goes along with it, but it's really just one great big love thing going on here. Yeah. It's it's all love. And the reason I mention that is in my viewpoint, Source energy is love. Source energy, of course, being an Abraham Hicks concept. Right. So I'm equating this to that concept that Abraham Hicks has. I'm saying this is basically the same thing as what Abraham Hicks talks about when they talk about source energy. So I'm just thinking that Neville, in his way of expressing things, is talking about source energy.
1: Well, I mean, Neville, I believe Neville would say source energy was consciousness. Yes. Right. I mean, and this is so important to get. Because it's so often that we see the source for us as external. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's not. It isn't. It's not. And so I think, yeah, I think I, I hear what you're saying. I think Neville is using different words and different phrases, but he's talking about the same thing. And he's talking about consciousness
0: by the way, there is one other thing that I want to throw in there, and I'm curious to think what you to hear what you think Neville would say about this. <laughs> um I'll, I'll let you'll you'll be Neville, and I'll be like the devil's uh, you know, the, the <laughs> devil's advocate for a moment. All right, all right. Well, you just said it very nicely. Source energy, love is not external; it's internal. But by the same token, it's both because the external is a reflection; it's like an extension of the internal. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that in order to muddy the waters i say that to point out that when we say that this stuff isn't external what we mean really is that it's not exclusively external it's not it's not eternal exclusive to the internal
1: it means that it's not coming from somewhere outside of ourself, but by ourself i'm not talking about my body because my consciousness isn't stuffed inside this little body my my body is inside my consciousness right? Mm -hmm. we are bigger than our body. Yes. So I think that that's maybe the key is recognizing that, but it means that it's not my source. Isn't some other person. And yet the source energy works through other people all the time. I mean, that's how the universe works and it's all
0: interconnected. I mean, it's not like like drops of water. Where where does the water end? Where does the water start?
1: (laughs) Because we're all one because we're we're all connected. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So good stuff, right? Very
0: good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> good way to end the series for us too, because this, this is not um, the last book that he wrote. He wrote this as one of his later ones, but it wasn't his last one. But we're finishing on this one. And it just yeah. feels like a good place to finish. It feels like it's summarizing everything we've studied for the last I year think and a so half. too,
1: right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's been great.
0: It's been <laughs> wonderful. <laughs>
1: And we've learned so much. And, you know, I think if I had to guess what the best thing that's come out of these years of going through all the Neville books, it's been such kind of hyper focus on uh, the vignettes. Yes. Right. On assuming the feeling of the wish fulfilled. That's right. And seriously, like it was it was a real eye opener to me last night. When I found myself wondering if my hand was going to heal all the way, mm. and suddenly I had so much power because it was like that's a that's even wondering it's just it's not the truth <laughs> and And I just knew in that moment that yes, my hand is going to heal all the way. I have no problem believing that um, when when doubt when I experience doubt, it is a trigger for me to stand in faith. It is a trigger for me to reaffirm what I know to be true, not what I hope to be true, not what I'm wishing will happen because Mm -hmm. hopes and wishes we have to, that that just shows that we have no faith that we don't believe. So in the same vein, you know, I was working with someone who I've worked with lots of people who, um have a doubt, right? And especially when it comes to because I'm a relationship coach, so relationship stuff. Have a doubt about relationship and feel like it's it's really great to be on a coaching call mm-hmm. with a good coach. Hopefully when you hang up the phone, you're going to feel empowered, you're going to yep. feel better, you're going to have your hope restored, you're going to move that hope into faith, right? Absolutely. And so When we've had an idea for a really long time, like, I'm never going to find anybody, right? Like, I went on dates with all these people. They weren't the right people for me. I'm doing everything I know what to do. I'm getting out there and meeting people. I'm mingling. You know, I take good care of myself. I think I'm pretty smart and I think I'm cute. And you know, why isn't any guy going for me? And it's not working out. It's not working out. It never works out for me. No matter what I do, it doesn't work out. doesn't work out. <laughs> when we tell that story for years, right? It creates neural connections in our brain that believe that story. That is the belief. And what That's happens true, with true. things we believe? We begin to create them, right? The, The thinker thinks and the prover always proves. We always prove ourselves right. (laughs) We always prove ourselves right. It's true. So if I'm working with someone and they, you know, I love it when we hang up the phone and they're like, oh my gosh, I can see it. This is going to happen for me. I feel better now. I've been telling myself this story and it's going to be better. And then they get really pumped up about it. And they say, you know what? I felt so good after our call. I I was like convinced I was going to meet somebody this week. Mm-hmm. Like I was so fired up. I was so like, yes, of course it's going to happen. And then it didn't happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? And this is the way I always explain that, is that you have to keep going. Right. Right? When you join the gym and you've gone for a week, And you come home and get on the scale or you flex your muscle and you say, this weight doesn't feel any lighter. I have not lost an ounce. (laughs) Nothing's happening. It is not working. (laughs) And I'm like, you have to keep going. You have to keep going. You know what that, that little, you know, when you keep going and suddenly one day you pick up that weight and you go, wow, it doesn't feel as heavy as it used to feel. Yeah. Right. Or mm-hmm. you look in the mirror, you say, hmm, I think that muscle looks like it's getting stronger. Not very much, but it's definitely improving. Kind of like sure. my wrist. I'm like, it's it's getting better. It's not as fast as I want it to be, but it's getting better. OK,
2: mm-hmm.
1: well, that that excitement of, you know what, this is going to happen for me. That's that that's that little bit of muscle that we feel. Where we're like, oh, the weight feels a little lighter. <laughs> we have to keep going. Exactly. We have to. We have to stay in that frame instead of letting a week go by where we don't see any movement towards what we want in the outside world cause us to go right back to that place where we go. It's not going to happen for me. Why? Because that story, we've been telling that story for so long, those neural connections are so strong. We have to keep going until they unhook and until the neural connection, which is the symptom of which is our story starts saying, oh, it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Like I said last night, as soon as I heard myself wonder, I said, are you crazy? Of course your wrist (laughs) is going to heal all the way. Of course it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What you're describing is, in a nutshell, it's learning how to build a belief.
1: Yes. We do it like we build muscle. We keep going. That's
0: right. Yeah. And it happens over time. That's, That's why we call them processes. A process doesn't happen instantly in most cases. In yes. some cases, it can. It's possible. It's not like it's impossible to happen quickly. It can, but normally a process is a an ongoing process because we're still learning to get to the the place of total belief, one hundred percent belief.
1: Right. So trust time. the process. Yeah. That's trust what we process. have to do in the process of learning to trust ourselves. We have to trust the process that if we keep going, it's going to happen. It's kind of like that. Um, what what is it called? The Valley of Disappointment
2: mm.
1: on the chart,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's like we always want to go like this up to the top, but really the curve is that swooping and that bottom part where we're going to the gym every day, where we're going on dates and meeting people, where we're doing, you know, investing or looking for more business. When we're doing it and doing it and we're just not seeing the money come in, we're just not meeting anybody that we think is right for us. We're just not feeling like our wrist is getting all that much better. That's the valley of disappointment.
0: Absolutely. We have
1: to keep going through that valley until we get to the other side when we start seeing tangible results. But the longer we've been telling ourselves that story of it not happening, the longer we may be in that valley of disappointment because it takes time.
0: And the fact is, when you do see that little, little tiny bit of muscle growth that you were talking about, you got to yeah. celebrate it because that's how you climb out of the Valley of Disappointment.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: That's how so, you do it.
1: You know, Florence Shen used to talk about driftwood. And she used that phrase because of when sailors are out to sea and they cannot see the shore, when they are way out in the middle of the ocean, you can't see the shoreline. hmm but when you start to get close, you'll see birds mm-hmm. and driftwood. Mm-hmm. And when you start seeing birds and you start seeing driftwood, you know, you're getting close. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, with people that are looking for uh, a partner, people that are looking for uh, love, often they get really frustrated when, you know, when their next door neighbor gets married. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. Or they—I don't know. There was that everybody
0: movie. but me. Everybody I but me. I think there was
1: that movie Bridget Jones' Diary, and she's watching TV, and every channel she's on, it's people <laughs> kissing. And then she there's the animal channel, and the animals are mating. You know, it's like every <laughs> channel. It's like, and she's just so dis- you know, just just disenchanted with the whole idea, just upset about it. And what we want to look at those things as is driftwood mm. when we're when we have made the decision that we want to find a certain thing and then our best friend calls and says, guess what? I got a date, right? That's driftwood. Mm-hmm. It's we're getting closer. And that's why we're noticing it happening around us.
0: That's a great point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what signs are for. The, the, the signs don't exist to tell us that it's almost here. The signs exists for us to keep going.
1: Oh, I love that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's true.
0: That's yeah. what it's for. By the way, Jeffrey was posting, and I was not paying attention, but he was posting while we were reading the book. And so we should go back and examine. Yes, yes. what What are you posting,
1: Jeffrey? Um,
0: First of all, uh, he he had a question for you before we did the book. He says, are you massaging the wrist and giving it loving attention? I imagine you probably are.
1: Yes, I'm just really loving on this wrist. (laughs)
0: I'm
1: giving it ice. I'm giving it so much love. Yes.
0: (laughs) And then he asks, do you think manifesting and healing are helped by others giving them attention?
1: Uh, that's a great question. I guess it depends on what kind of attention, right? <laughs> <laughs> if um, oftentimes I will send an email to a client and say, "I'm holding the vision for your success," or so many words, right? I'm picturing you. However, so if someone is giving my wrist attention by visualizing me healed. I think, sure, that's going to help. Now, if someone is calling me and saying, oh, it's so terrible that your wrist is still hurting. Is your wrist still hurting? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, that's awful. Like I <laughs> I just, you know, my, my aunt had tendonitis and she never healed. You know, she just never healed. And we all prayed for her, but nothing ever happened. And, you know, she couldn't use her hand. Pretty soon it got in her other hand and she couldn't use either hand. And she ended up having to hire someone to do everything for, right? You know these kind of conversations?
0: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and you're like, "Uh, yeah, no, my hand is getting better. Yeah. So I, I guess it depends, Jeffrey, on what kind of attention this is, you're getting.
0: Well, I would also suggest it depends on how you're taking the attention, because that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you could get that kind of negative attention will call it that and say, you know what? I'm going to see if there's a challenge to see if I can find where the good part is on that and say, okay, I'm going to run with it. But most people aren't going to necessarily go that way. Most people are going (laughs) to say, Oh God, here here goes, and so on. So (laughs) give me that routine again.
1: Somebody asked us a question. I think it was not but Somebody asked us a question in the past couple of weeks about sharing, sharing your dreams and your goals that somebody had said you shouldn't share those things.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Yes.
1: And we talked about, well, share them with people who who want to see those things happen for you and believe in you yeah. that those things can happen you know share them with those people and so i think that's the thing i remember florence scobulson one time i, I wish i remembered the quote because it really made me laugh but she talked about people calling up and saying um or saying to her we should have a nice long chat real soon and her <laughs> and saying no, thanks. That's okay, because she knew that that would be what the chat was like. The whole chat would be about how terrible everything was and how horrible the world was and how awful things were. And so, yeah, I mean, remember energy trains to itself. So it may be, you know, if someone knows that they can hear that conversation and, and look at it as a challenge to keep their energy high, okay, most of us can't. Uh, Most of us, it it only takes a very small amount of catabolic energy to bring the whole energy down. And so most of us, no matter how high flying we are, would have trouble in a conversation where the other person was just going on and on and on and on about how bad things are. And telling you as a coach, when someone starts to argue for their limitations with me, I stop them. Mm. Right? I stopped them and sure. it's not because I want to protect myself from in training to their energy, but because I see what it can do to them.
0: Absolutely. Right.
1: Yeah. So it's like, I'm going to stop you right there. I had, I had a client one time in a phone call say about herself. Oh, and I did bubble blah, 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 and she said, because I'm so stupid. And she said <laughs> it twice. She said it twice. So I said it about 15 times. Mm. I said, well, because you're stupid, you know, like you were just telling me cause you're so stupid and that's why this happened. Cause you're so stupid. And, <laughs> And by the time I finished, she said, oh, my God, like she was starting to be in tears, but not because I hurt her feelings, because she realized
0: she, how she it. talked about. Yeah, herself, exactly. Right? Yeah.
1: And so, you know, I, I've only done that a couple of times. Most of the time I just say, OK, I'm going to stop you right there and I'm going to ask you to recognize what you just said. Right. How can we reframe this? How can we look at this in a different way? Because it's just a story. That's These right. are all just thoughts. They're just stories. What would be a different story? It's <laughs>
0: good. It's really good. Right? Ben-, ben Jeffrey did ask uh, specifically about stuff from the last chapter of uh, Sea Time and Harvest. He said in the story about King Solomon, what is the wood of Lebanon? In other words, what does that re- represent metaphorically?
1: Well, I think uh, Neville talked about what it meant. Um, he talks about, well, he talks about the chariot standing for the mind. Um, I don't know. I know that Lebanon is famous for its cedar trees and that wood is supposed to be prized, or at least it was in the time that the Bible was written. So that's a great question. I'm not sure if that particular kind of wood, uh, has a meaning, but I'm sure, I'm actually sure. I'm sure it does. (laughs) I'm not sure what it is. I have a, have a jewish encyclopedia over here that i should <laughs> grab and see uh we know it means something
0: well he actually has a follow-up that isn't so much a question but is more of his answer to the question which is he says all of our chariots are made of different materials
1: interesting right they yeah. are i mean if we look at what neville is saying and that you know we are the chariots right our mind is what Neville says.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He says by chariot, the writer of this allegory means mind, and he capitalizes the M. Uh, in which stands the spirit of wisdom, Solomon. So Solomon was known for his wisdom. So Neville is saying that the chariot is the mind and that that's where wisdom resides. So our minds, I mean, we're made up. What, what are we made up of? Our thoughts.
0: Mm-hmm. All a different different.
1: combination of lots of different thinking and beliefs and ideas. Yeah.
0: Which is the glory of the whole thing because I I saw a conversation the other day. Um, I won't even get into what the topic was, but it was a, it was not a real pleasant topic. And one person was trying to convince everybody else that her way was the right way to do something. And I pointed out to her that, you know, well, people think differently. And you know, people, if you're expecting everybody to think your way, you're probably going to be disappointed because everybody has their own way of thinking and isn't that a good thing? Because if everybody thought the same way, the world would be a really dull place. And it took her a while, but she finally liked that because she realized, yeah, that's true. It would be a very dull place.
1: (laughs) Well, it's good. You know, the more we can and that's my whole thing with when people ask me if I believe this or that, certain things I have control of, right? Like I can do certain things to heal my body and my belief around my body healing is important. Mm -hmm. But when we get into kind of, you know, eschatology and different things or, you know, people say, do you believe this? Do you believe that? And you've heard me say it lots of times, say, Oh, I don't really have any beliefs. I just like to entertain ideas, right? If we can get to that place, then we're not so um, inflexible with other people's thoughts and ideas. Because, it, because if we have a bunch of rigid beliefs and these are the, this is the way it is and this is what I believe, then more likely than not, other people's beliefs are going to feel like they're coming against my beliefs. And if I'm rigid in them, then I have to reject what your way of thinking is because it's not the same as mine. And that's just not a place of real high energy where we can consciously create well. <laughs> Yeah, the
0: way I like to think about that is to remind myself that it isn't so much what my beliefs about others is. That's not the the important one. The important one is what are my beliefs about myself? What do I believe about me? Those are the ones that count. And and really, nobody else has any kind of input on that anyway. It's me. I'm the only one who has that input. So it's not like it's a contest. It's not like somebody else's (laughs) idea has to come in and challenge my idea. No, it's just what do I believe for me? That's yeah. really it. Yeah. So, Great and questions. Then, uh, and then he uh, finished up by saying, all you need is love. A little a quote from the Beatles. Yes. And I believe all of your best dreams are becoming reality soon. Oh, he also had uh, erased something where he asked if, uh, if if, supporting each other's vignettes in the uh, Pivot Palace groups helps. And I'll just say yes. I think it yes. does.
1: Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And if, if anything, it just helps to have someone supporting you. When you know someone else is supporting you, and that's sure. always helpful. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Nothing like being reinforced on something that you're trying to build, because when you're trying to build the belief, it's a little bit shaky at first. That's why you're oh, starting yeah. to build it.
1: Right. You know? That's why we have these ups and downs. Yeah. Oh, I felt so excited. I was so sure, and then it didn't happen, and now, you know, back down mm. to the bottom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a, that's why we call it a journey. That's why we talk about it as an ongoing process because building a belief takes time. And even when we're doing it consciously, it takes time. When we do it unconsciously, it takes a lot of time. Look how many years it takes before we finally adopt this belief system that we don't like, but we do. It just takes a lot of time to do it. And it's equally going to be true when we're trying to build a belief system that we actually like and that we prefer. It's going to take some time. And we're going to go through steps where it just doesn't feel like I'm really believing it right now. But that's part of the process. And the cool thing, now, this is my take. I'll be curious to see what you say as like a closing thought here. Um, the cool thing, I think, is as I build my beliefs and they get stronger, I have greater vision. Does that make sense to you? I can see more. I can understand.
1: Oh, absolutely. More. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the
0: belief, the belief gives me the ability to see beyond where I could see yesterday.
1: Yes. I mean, that's the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and those dips that we have, they just serve as reminders for what we believe. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like. If you've gone to the gym all those times and your body is getting really strong and you're feeling really good and you're eating really healthy and then you go out and you just have a blowout and you eat a bunch of stuff and you're like, oh, I don't feel too good, right? Then you might be like, okay, yeah, now I know why I've been going to the gym. I like the way I feel when I'm eating better or whatever, right? I mean, it's the same type of thing. That's why last night when I had, gosh, I wonder if my hand, oh, of course you your hand isn't going to stay this way. I didn't stay down in some place of feeling terrible that maybe my hand isn't healing. Mm. It was a reminder to me of where I stand and where my faith is. And I said, oh, I trust my body to heal itself. It's going to be fine.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. Good way to finish it. And uh, for those people, we we never really got into great detail about the Valentine's Day thing, but we kind of touched on it indirectly with the most important stuff, which is, it's all how you're going to look at it. If, if you're going to look at it in a way that's self-defeating, you're going to be self-defeated. If you're going to look at it in a way that is self-enriching, you're going to be self-enriched. Don't set yep. a timeline on it, just trust the process and keep going with the self-enrichment because it'll yes. pay off.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: And that's true whether you're trying to find a mate, whether you're trying to make some money, whether you're trying to get the beautiful home, whether you're trying to take a vacation, whether you're trying to fill in the blank, whatever it is.
1: Whatever, yep.
0: It's always the case. Good stuff. Cindy, before we go, tell people how to reach out to Cindy, the life coach.
1: They can find me online at Cindy C i n d i e c h a v e z C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com. I would love for you to give me a shout. You can come find me on Facebook, find me on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, same name. (laughs) Say hello.
0: We do love those contacts too. When we get people writing into us or or sending us messages, it just, it just lifts your day. You know how you just feel better when you see one of the messages like, oh, Oh, there's another listener who reached out. How cool is that? (laughs) It's good stuff. So thank you very much, Cindy. Thank you so much for having guided us through all these books, too. I mean, that was quite a journey. And I'm not sure what we're going to do with Neville next. We're going to do something. We haven't figured it out yet. But, (laughs) but boy, what a great journey this has been. And and it would have been – I honestly can say this. It would not have been possible for me to do it without you because you're – Your insights on this have been just really extraordinarily good. So thank you very much for
1: doing all that. You're welcome. Well, it was a great experience.
0: It has been a very great experience. So thank you very much. Thank you, live stream listeners. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners, without whom all this would be just Sydney and me talking to each other.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Started out that way. It was fun too, but it's so much better with all of you
0: (laughs) here. And with that thought in mind, we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye,
1: everyone.